Good day and welcome to today's Doctrine and Your Hearts podcast. Today, we are going to shift gears and talk about anxiety in children. Today's topic is going to include examples of how I find out in my office whether a child has anxiety or not. Number two, I'm going to cover some of the ways anxiety presents. That is signs and symptoms of anxiety including the subtle signs of anxiety. Number three, I am going to talk about types of anxiety, and we are going to also talk about causes of anxiety. Also discussed in this podcast is what pediatricians do when they encounter children with anxiety in their offices. Also discussed ways pediatricians and clinicians diagnose and manage anxiety. And finally, I am going to be discussing about prognosis, that is the outcome of children who have anxiety, especially when that anxiety is left untreated. As part of the general overview, sometimes parents notice that their children or their child needs help in certain behavior. For example, they notice that the child behavior is not quite right, that something is going on with the child behavior in certain situation, and that this child is different from other children that they see, or they notice that a particular child is not behaving quite right, but they don't know what is going on with that particular child. Because some of the parents are not in health field, it is difficult for them to actually understand if a child's behavior is anxiety or not. So the first step when a parent experiences or notices this kind of behavior in their child is to bring it to the attention of their pediatrician. I've come across many children who I notice may have symptoms and signs of anxiety. The first example, this child that I saw many weeks ago who came in for a routine health visit and unlike other children his age, or when I told him to get on the exam table for routine examination, just for example to measure his blood pressure or to check his ears and throat, this kid started panicking, started fidgeting and terribly shaking just to go to the exam table and sit down for routine exam, which is uh, what I do every day. I turned to the mom to ask her what, what was going on. And the mother told me that the child, that this elementary school age child has anxiety. So the mother was able to tell me upfront that the child suffers from anxiety. But obviously, she has not done anything about it. So this elementary old school child was finally got on the exam table and was fidgeting and shaking and, and scared. That was obvious that this kid has anxiety. And further discussion with the mother revealed that of the child child, even in school, this young man doesn't want to stay with his peers in class. He wants to stay very close to the teacher. That is definitely a sign or behavior suggestion of anxiety, social anxiety in this child. Another example of what looked like children anxiety is that of a child, elementary school, a child who mother said would not want to get out of her sight and would accompany her to every visit she makes, including grocery stores, a bathroom trip, kitchen trips, and everywhere mother goes, this child want to stay close to the mother. So that is definitely a child who is suffering from what we call separation anxiety. So the two cases described were kind of obvious cases, but there are times when anxiety in children is not so obvious and it goes below the radar 
for a long time, either because the child has managed to contain it by avoiding anxiety-provoking situations, or the child is overcompensating, stretching himself out or herself out or in other areas, avoiding anxiety-provoking situations, similar to the ways children learn how to avoid things they are allergic to. Intuitively, even before they are diagnosed with food allergies, some children avoid things that upset their stomach. So the same way a child with anxiety avoid things that trigger their anxiety even before they are diagnosed. There are different types of anxiety. One is called a social anxiety where the child or the young man is avoiding social events, avoiding meeting new people, avoiding people they don't typically know, people who have stage fright, are example of people who suffer from anxiety, social anxiety disorder, and kids who feel nervous when they see other people. This is a social anxiety problem. And the child who we talked about who, who had to stay with the teacher, close to the teacher, and avoid his classmates, his peers, probably suffers from social anxiety disorder. Another type of anxiety seen in children is called the general anxiety disorder. That is a child who worries too much. Everything bothers them. They worry about things that they don't have any much influence or things that don't really directly affect them. They worry about their future. They worry about if things are going to go wrong. They worry about what others are going to say about them. They're constantly worried. It is difficult to contain their worries to reassure them. It's very difficult. So this could be a problem that could affect daily routine activities. Children are supposed to worry so much that it affects their daily interaction and activities. Another type of anxiety is called separation anxiety, which we've alluded to about the child who does not want to separate from his mother. So children with uh, separation anxiety feel emotional and anxious. If their family member or their mom, their dad is leaving the house or going away for some time, they worry about sleeping alone. They worry about something's going to happen to them if mom or dad is not there. They worry excessively and reassuring them does not help. It becomes problematic when a child worries too much to the extent that nobody could reassure them that they're difficult to reassure. Panic attack, on the other hand, is a, a type of anxiety which is very common, especially in adolescent and young adults age group. And it comes suddenly, sometimes without warning, and the child or the patient is having difficulty in breathing, shortness of breath, chest pain, dizziness, tingling sensations in their hands, and feeling like they're going to faint. Many of these kids will end up in the emergency room because a panic attack could be very dramatic and parents worry a lot and usually the child ends up in the emergency room for reassurance and management. Another type of anxiety is when people are anxious or develop anxiety for things like animals, for example, fear of dog, fear of cats, fear of birds, mods, butterfly, a whole bunch of things, insects. People can be fearful of certain things and anxious. They are usually a result of previous bad experience with things that trigger those specific anxiety. Let's talk about the signs and symptoms of anxiety. How do anxiety affect the body? When somebody suffers from anxiety, it affects both the physical and emotional state. The physical state, they can be stressed out, their heart could be beating, talk about shortness of breath, nausea, they can be, they feel sick, throw up, sometimes confused. Anxious people can be very combative. Some of these emotional reactions to 
overcompensate for the way they're feeling. And of course, we talk about worries, too much worries, and avoiding things that trigger the anxiety. It is important to point out that a lot of us have worries, things that worry us here and there, now and then, and it comes and goes away. But when people worry for a considerable long time, for weeks, months, and it begins to affect the uh, world of life, their daily activities, and for kids, their schoolwork, the ability to play with other kids, to interact with other kids, to engage with other kids, it becomes a problem because then they're going to make friends. And making friends and playing with other kids are very important to children's social-emotional growth and development. So we're not talking about one episode of a child being scared or one episode of a child being who cries because their mother or their father is gone away. No, we're talking about behavior of this sort, avoiding people, freaking out when they see peers, not socializing, avoiding uncles, avoiding grandparents, avoiding aunts, avoiding family members could be all signs of anxiety in children. In my clinical experience, I think the onset could be very early. Even when children are two years old, three years old, when they're toddlers, they could begin to have these signs and symptoms of anxiety. So it's for parents to be on the lookout for subtle signs of anxiety in their children. A toddler who wouldn't play with his peers, who avoid his peers, who's afraid of interacting with his peers, classmates, cousins, relatives. A child who is avoiding those family members, aunts, uncle, might be suffering from a certain level of anxiety. Letting these symptoms persist and not mentioning them to the child's pediatrician or the child's clinician might make them entrenched into the child's behavior. So it's important for the parents to mention these kind of behaviors to child's doctor to evaluate. Also, we've mentioned before, a young man, a youth, an adolescent who is the last to get on the line or who is the last to leave an event might be suffering from social anxiety because they don't want to meet people. They're avoiding people. They're avoiding peers and classmates. This could be signs and behaviors that are subtle. They are signs of anxiety in adolescents and school-age children. So parents should be very watchful and observant and mention some of these behaviors to their children's doctor to get them evaluated for anxiety. Now, what are the causes of anxiety? There's no known definitive cause of anxiety, but there are certain theories, certain things that we know might predispose children to anxiety. If you consider the fact that Sometimes when we plant a flower, unfailingly, there will be some weeds growing around flower. That could be the same with some kids regarding anxiety. It's part of developmental process that has to be corrected, just like the weeds around flower has to be uprooted and thrown out. Some of these anxiety could be corrected as a child grows. Another theory is that for some reasons, some kids are not able to differentiate between real threat and imaginary threat. As humans, we are supposed to be aware of surrounding threat and avoid them. Another possibility as to the cause of anxiety is when parents perpetuate threatening environments all around the kids. They see everything as threatening, they see other people as threatening, they see situations as threatening, and they model children to see situations as threatening. 
and hence the child perhaps cannot differentiate between imaginary threat and real threat. Everything is threatening because mother or dad said so. Anxiety tends to run in families, which might have a deep long origin, perhaps due to forgotten and generational family trauma at a point in time, which parents and children have forgotten but maintain as a source of anxiety. Sometimes we do things without knowing the reason why we do that and without knowing the origins. Also, children tend to take cues from their parents. And I see this in my office when a child is getting a vaccination. When the parents feel threatened, the child feels threatened. When the parents show discomfort, the child feels uncomfortable. So the child is always reading parental cues for how to behave and how to react to environmental threat. And there are also probable environmental causes of anxiety. For example, a mother once reported to me that after hearing gunshots in their neighborhood, her toddler has been hiding under the bed and insisting that she sleeps on the same bed with mother. This demonstrates how environment, whether it's school, playground, daycare settings, recreational settings, anywhere could set a stage for childhood anxiety. What the child does is to exaggerate or extrapolate the trigger situation to his or her environment. In other words, the child, even though the environment that triggers anxiety is in a particular place, but then the child exaggerates or extrapolates this anxiety to other environments. Another cause of anxiety which we always, as clinicians, look for is child maltreatment or child abuse. Children who are abused or who have been abused tend to have anxiety. So it's part of evaluating a child just to make sure there's nobody around who has been abusing a child. But I don't see that very frequently in my clinical setting. Most of the kids I see who have anxiety not related to child abuse or any child maltreatment. But it's always something to worry about when a toddler, a child, or young child, young children, adolescents have anxiety. You want to make sure that nobody is maltreating them. Let us now examine what pediatricians do when a mother or a father or a caregiver brings in a child because of anxiety or talks about a child with suspect anxiety. What do they do? Well, it depends on a particular pediatrician. Usually pediatricians are very general. A pediatrician might be broad in their practice, but they may not be very knowledgeable in treating children with anxiety. But the first thing is to raise the issue with your child's pediatrician. And if that pediatrician is not knowledgeable or does not have resources to address the child's situation, the pediatrician might refer you to a pediatrician who is knowledgeable and competent to diagnose childhood anxiety and to help the parents to manage childhood anxiety. Part of the process of diagnosing childhood anxiety, of course, is to listen to our parents' observation, parents' concerns, and of course, to observe the child yourself in your office, just like I did with those two kids I shared. I with you at the beginning of the podcast, one was shivering and fidgeting just because I've asked him to get on the exam table, which many kids do easily, and also avoid staying with his classmates and wants to stay close to the teacher. So that is elements of anxiety, getting the details of what 
is going on in a child's life through pediatrician's observation of them, parent's observation, and of course the child's observation of his behavior is also important as well. And usually there are questionnaires meant to evaluate whether a child has anxiety or not. These questionnaires, there is one for the child if the child is at the age where they can understand, read, and respond to questions. is a list of 41 items which the child has to answer or provide answers to. And there's a parent version of the same questionnaire that parents will have to answer what the observation regarding the child's behavior and some of the child's skills and what the child's likely to do. And the questionnaires will be summed up, will be totaled and a score is given. And when a score arises to a threshold of anxiety, then the pediatrician makes the diagnosis of anxiety, at least makes objective diagnosis of, of anxiety. Once that is made, then the next thing will be to find a treatment for the child. There are two levels of treatment. One is a therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy. Another level of treatment management is to medicate the child, to give the child some medications for anxiety. You can also combine the two, both cognitive behavioral therapy and medication as well. These are levels of management that a child with anxiety undergoes to help them with their anxiety. In cognitive behavioral therapy, what happens is the therapist helps the child to ease into their anxiety-provoking situation, find a way to ease into those situations that trigger anxiety. These uh, therapies are very good and well-trained in what they do. Cognitive behavioral therapy is outside the scope of most pediatricians. They would refer this patient or this child to clinician, practitioner who does cognitive behavioral therapy. Pediatrician might offer some medication after diagnosing the child with uh, anxiety. A combination of therapy and a medication is what works the most. Some parents will prefer just the therapy, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, like we said. Other children will benefit from both therapy and the medications. And sometimes if the therapy is not available, the medication can also be effective in treating childhood anxiety. The reason why it is good to address these issues is because childhood anxiety does not go away untreated. It might go under the radar. The child might try to cover it up by avoiding the anxiety-triggering, provoking situations. The child who avoids situations will have limited friendships, will have limited capacity to attain their full potential. More so, they are susceptible to a depression and also susceptible to suicidal ideation. Imagine a situation where you are constrained. Your world becomes smaller and smaller as you get older. The child's world will continue to narrow. It's always good to address these issues and get them resolved. In summary, parents should discuss with child pediatricians when they suspect that child is fearful or anxious compared to others. Let the clinicians and the practitioners evaluate and determine if these parental concerns rise to the level of child's anxiety that needs medical management, either with therapy or medication support. Thanks for listening and please share with your friends and family.